0: I'm all
1: right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian, Jonah Pody and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing?
2: Hey, at least I got the Tom part right.
1: Stay
0: tuned, because it's on now. The Tom Sumner Program.
1: This is a message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Older adults and people of any age who have serious underlying medical conditions are at higher risk for severe illness from COVID-19. If you are at higher risk, you should stay home as much as possible and avoid close contact with people who are sick to protect yourself. Call your doctor if you have concerns about COVID-19 and your medical condition or if you get sick. For more information, visit CDC.gov.
3: The Tom
1: Sumner Program.
0: It's time now for Armchair Politics. Join host Tom Sumner for this weekly reality check on current events in local, state and national politics and the real issues that really matter. You too can be part of Armchair Politics Find us on Facebook. We let the dogs off their leash. Stay tuned, because it's on now.
3: Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program. Joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits includes our roundtable regulars. On the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Paul, welcome.
4: Good morning. Good to be here.
3: And uh, on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican, Henry Hatter. Hi, good morning, Tom. Why do I have... Morning, Henry. Good morning. Let's see. That's not right. Are you still there? Yes, I am. Okay. Um, The phone system was doing something strange. I got distracted. My apologies, Henry. Welcome. Thanks for being here. And last but not least, joining our roundtable regulars is former Flint Mayor Dane Walling who hasn't been here for a while. Dane, welcome back.
2: Hey, thanks, Tom, and Hello, everyone. Nice Good morning. Video.
3: Good morning. Well, as you all know, I always like to start with uh, a couple of quotes, including the uh, finish the quote. This is where I ask you how you would finish this quote. America's present need is not heroics, but what? How would you finish that
4: quote? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it's probably unity or or, yes. or
3: like Participation and uh, I would say unity. Hard work. Hard work. Well, this, this one is uh, kind of unexpectedly uh, elegant. It's, um, America's present need is not heroics, but healing. Not nostrums, but normalcy. Not revolution, but restoration. Who do you think said that?
4: Mm.
3: Paul, you always like to take a stab at these.
4: Yeah, I know. I, this sounds vaguely familiar somehow, uh
2: Woodrow Wilson.
3: That was an interesting guess, Dane. It was Warren G. Harding. Harding.
4: (laughs) It it was.
3: (laughs) Warren G. Harding. Um, It was? It was.
4: Oh, my God. That was a wild guess.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, but but funny how some of these these older quotes still ring true.
4: Yeah, that's true. Well, again, in so many ways... uh, uh nineteen twenty is often a lot like twenty twenty with a pandemic and and the the return to normalcy being kind of a theme for the year uh that 's true
3: fair fair point um one of the quotes of the week and there were many um but uh i I found this one uh Interesting. I do believe that anyone who is inciting people to take action is contributing to a hostile environment that can lead to domestic terrorism, and I take it very seriously. You know what? I should take it very seriously because some of that was directed my way early on and throughout the course of this year.
5: The governor.
3: It was. It was, Henry. Yes,
4: yeah.
3: Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer said uh, a state lawmaker's comments about preventing Democratic electors from casting their votes for Joe Biden are unpatriotic and downright dangerous. State Representative Gary Eason, a Republican from St. Clair Township, was stripped of his committee assignments after discussing plans to gain entry into the Capitol building amid threats of violence surrounding the vote of Michigan electors Monday. In a statement emailed to reporters Monday afternoon, Eason said he regrets the confusion over his comments and said he no longer plans to be at the Capitol while the electors meet. Was it, appro- <laughs> <laughs> Was it appropriate to strip Eason of his uh, committee assignments? Uh-huh. I think
4: so. Well, it, it's. I think I think somebody needs to take some action. I mean, this this went for both parties within the last week or so. Yes. You know, Somebody's yes, statement... You know, especially in this climate do tend to be kind of pretty inflammatory. Maybe maybe in a different time they'd be just simply seen as hot air, but considering what's been what's happened especially with the governor here in Michigan, it is it, worrisome.
5: And if you think about it, what those people are saying, they indict every other person in their community. To the same yeah, all it kind takes of, is one, yeah. one
4: crazy person yeah, one, one, there go off yeah. and do something yeah. You know.
5: Whoever stripped them of the power, they did the right thing. Democrat or Republican,
3: Paul. I just just wanted to mention that that picture you captured of uh, Bobby Clayton Walton um, Monday at the at the state capitol. Oh yeah, you, you took that off of uh, television, I think.
4: Well, right off my computer screen as I was sitting watching it. Yeah.
3: Um, anyway, that that was a, a great grab. I've seen that picture posted on Facebook a few times. And, of course, Bobby, who uh, sits in with us from time to time, it was uh, kind of fun, as it has been with Henry, to know somebody who goes in and, and uh, participates in that uh, Electoral College process. Um, Henry, as you watch this, having been involved in the Electoral College multiple times, you... Um, Is it different this year?
5: (laughs) Uh, In ways, uh, politically it's different. But the event itself is not different. When you cast your vote, that's the end. That's the event between two time intervals that cannot be changed. And when you walk away from there, your job is done. It's all done. There's nothing else to say.
3: I don't ever remember the electoral college getting the attention that it's getting this year. I was I was watching uh live um on CNN I think the the Michigan state Capitol um, capital with the electors uh casting their votes um and, and other cities uh or other state capitals as well. Um, I, I don't ever remember it being as much a part of everyday conversation as it has been uh, over the last few
4: weeks. Well, I think it's because of all the turmoil, of the election, and all the <laughs> the charges about you know a uh, rigged election and everything else. I mean, I recall watching Henry four years ago do the same thing, and it was a, it was a very historic ceremony, but there wasn't a sense of. Gee, what's going to happen, kind of stuff that you had this year. I mean, we thought we knew, but there was always the possibility this year that some very odd things could have happened uh, compared to the past. As I say, mean, in most years, the Electoral College is almost an afterthought. It barely gets mentioned in the news because we've, we know, know who the winner is six weeks before. But this year, there were was, was some worries about it.
5: <clears throat> well, I think it's a stable system that needs to remain. <clears throat> Um, and uh, the, the Democrats got a sense of how they could win by using their uh, groups that they target. And not only the, do they, they win by those groups, but they win by dissident Republicans as well. That um, everybody's got to be an independents has got to be
3: involved in it.
5: So uh, they got a chance. They learned how to win. And that's what Republicans
3: did before. Dan, what are your thoughts you know, it's, about it's, the Electoral College? A lot of people are uh, arguing it's it's time to drop it.
2: Yeah, I think that's good. That's a good debate. I, I I personally think that a popular vote for president would make the most sense. But in any event, I do think um, Henry's right that this year showed that when a system is in place it needs to be followed it needs to be honored and when each person does their part like we saw with the electoral college votes and the secretaries of states and the governors all the election officials um then you know then the american people can be confident in the result you might not like the result but but i hope that everyone becomes confident that this election was conducted fairly uh what they had two Total recounts in Georgia. And I just think it, it's really disingenuous to somehow say that that, the, uh, that vote was not counted properly. Well,
3: here's another quote yeah. that I got a kick out of, and it ties right in here. Um, the quote is, I'm not, I'm not here to tell you it was perfect, but it was a damn good election. <laughs> and and you'll never guess who said this. Joe Biden, because it's 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 not someone who's particularly well known, but uh, it was Chris Thomas who uh, has served roughly 37 years as the state elections administrator. Uh working under Republican and Democratic Secretaries of State. This year he worked as a senior advisor for Detroit, spending time at the uh, TCF Center where the city counted absentee ballots. His testimony was clear. Thousands of absentee ballots in Detroit were not counted multiple times. Dead people did not vote. Mysterious ballots did not turn up at TCF in the middle of the night. He made the statements during... uh, the uh, legislative hearing last week is the credibility of the 2020 election growing.
4: I hope it is, and I, and I think I think I've said it before. I think this because of all the turmoil and all the double and triple checking. This may be the most honest election we've had in this country, uh, in spite of all the the controversy about it.
5: Yeah, I, I you know I think. Uh, <clears throat> As you reflect back upon this election, uh, people settled down once the uh, Electoral College was consummated. <clears throat> uh, even the well, leadership. Well, there's, still, there's still
3: some talk of uh, trying some kind of legislative maneuver to not accept the results of the Electoral College. Do you think, well, that'll uh,
4: January be interesting. 6th, yeah, that's a possibility, that, an unlikely possibility.
5: That'll be interesting, guys, but I don't think that you're going to move it. I don't think that you're going to move it. I think better. you're right,
4: Henry, yeah, yeah. You I know, think it's the one of the strangest things things about this electoral college. Go ahead, Henry.
5: Uh, well, it's, it's consummated by the people. Even though it has flaws and glitches and irregularities and dishonest uh, gestures, it is still basically the people that do that. They do that every day in life, the same kind of dishonest stuff. And uh, politics are no different than our everyday lives that we live. I was going to say Henry, one of the strangest
4: things about this electoral college this year is here in Michigan, we closed down the Capitol so they could meet out of fear of some, you know, some violence or something happening. And I think in Arizona, I believe it was Arizona, the electors met in, quote, an undisclosed location for the same reason, for fear of protests, violence, or other reactions as well. And I, I don't know if that was true for any other states, but I heard but that was that...
5: that would be such a violation of laws, you know.
4: Oh, absolutely. The yeah. Open yeah.
5: Meetings Act, for example. Yeah. Everything that you do got to be carried out before the public. Yeah. And people have to have the courage to do that. And uh, I'm disappointed if, if they did. I think they most states be... have
4: broadcasted online in some way. Yeah. I, I just saw the Michigan one, but I think most states did something similar online or on closed circuit of some kind.
5: But, I, I, you know, I think it's the general population that are terrified the belief of people. Pe- people who don't know the process, people who have something politically to say and demand it, and they were kind of whopping people back and forth on what they believe and what they don't believe and it made yeah. it a very difficult situation for people to know what's going on in this country when the electoral college was meeting or when we have these votes it's the people who who do this for a reason because they're looking
4: I th- you know i think it's also true that there's more people aware of what the electoral college is this year than ever yeah here. i was going to say Most pe- years we, pe- we barely pay attention to it you know? Pe- people when know how the system
3: and- works now Hey, we got to take right. a short break, guys. Uh, we'll uh, we'll come back with more armchair politics right after this.
0: Everybody's doing a brand new dance now.
2: Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
0: Oh, 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 you better watch out, you better not cry, better not pout, I'm telling you why, oh, Santa, Santa Claus, is he comes, bring Bringing to his children, boys, he's making a living. Twice gonna find out who's naughty or nice Oh, Santa Claus, Santa Claus is coming He comes to town. He's coming to town He sees you when you're sleeping He knows when you're away. He knows if <verk-> you've been bad or good So be good, for goodness sake Oh, you better watch out, better not cry, better not pout, I'm telling you why Oh, Santa Santa Claus is coming to town, town, he's coming to town The kids and girl and boy land will have a jubilee Gonna make a toy land all around the Christmas tree Oh, you better watch out, better not cry, better not pout, I'm telling you why. Oh, Santa Santa Claus is coming, hear those sleigh bells coming, Santa Claus is coming.
1: Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering
5: and IT services at swiftlet.technology.
0: The time The Time Summer Happy Holidays! from Kevin,
5: from Kenneth, from Louie. Martelia Newman, from Marisha, Bertrand,
1: and the Tom Sumner Program.
3: The Tom Sumner Program takes a look back at 2020, Monday and Tuesday, December 28th and 9th, with a two-part special called 2020 Highlights, Not Just COVID. Here special guests provide commentary and analysis about the Mueller report, impeachment, the State of the Union, State of the State, virtual political conventions and debates, plus civil unrest, and Sheriff Chris Swanson's response to local demonstrations, and a whole lot more. Listen December 28th and 9th because there was more to 2020 than COVID-19. Stream the show from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com, repeating online all day and night. Or tune in on 92.1 FM in Flint at 9 a.m. and p.m. both nights. That's 2020 Highlights, not just COVID, December 28th and 9th on the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. Uh, Armchair Politics continues now on the Tom Sumner program with uh, our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by former Flint Mayor Dane Walling. Welcome back, everybody. Um, Some Flint City Council members are vowing to fight a proposed historic settlement of Flint water crisis lawsuits, and about 30 residents rallied to urge them to do just that on uh, Friday, December 11th. Uh, Council members questioned attorneys for more than five hours in a special meeting Thursday in advance of a uh, scheduled vote on Flint's portion of the $641 million settlement next week. Mayor Sheldon Neely is uh, asking the council to approve the city's contribution of $20 million from an insurance policy toward the settlement, a move attorneys say would end the bulk of lawsuits filed by thousands of residents in more than 100 cases against the city, its former employees, and emergency managers. But several residents told the council that the pressure to approve the city's portion of the settlement amounts to bullying and blackmail and doesn't begin to compensate them fairly after having been exposed to contaminated water. That same uh, conversation took place, uh, I believe, Monday night or last night. Um, Anyway, my question is, should the council participate in the deal that's been offered? Well, it has to.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it had to. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> that's my understanding from what I read. Yeah, that they have to approve that twenty million.
5: They have to ratify whatever do, You know, All whatever right. the the, uh, the 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 mayor uh, brings to the table, they have to ratify. it. They have to prove it. So I think the discussion is good, but they they need to go ahead and settle this and move on, so we can bring new businesses. And get the city yeah, I think they had another
4: five- or six-hour meeting, at least that long, on, on Monday night. And As far as I know, did not reach any resolution. I think there's another one scheduled tomorrow. I, I think you're right. Yeah, I think it's, it's
3: tomorrow. Um, uh, apparently, the number I heard from Monday night's meeting, Paul, was seven hours without, <laughs> without a decision on this issue.
5: Right, right. And, and this whole idea doesn't make sense anymore since we are $30 trillion in debt with the last uh, um, plan to um, issue uh, some support funds to communities. And uh, where's this money going to come from? You know, there's only a limited amount of money in the pot. And we got to solve some things here as we approach
3: $30 trillion. Well, from what all I understand I the big- is the insurance company has put up uh, the the insurance company for the city of Flint has put up twenty million dollars. Yeah. yeah. Um, as a as a a settlement offer, and if um, the council doesn't approve that, then the insurance company rescinds that, and the city mm-hmm. just becomes uh, you know open to any and all comers as far as lawsuits are concerned. Um, Dane, I want to. Where
4: those losses could be enormous.
3: I want to bring Dane in on this. Uh, yeah. Dane, is it your experience that the council has to pass what the mayor uh, puts uh, before him?
2: Well, I think the word you know, it depends on what you mean by <laughs> have to." <laughs> <laughs> well, for it to become a for it to become approved and binding, then then yes, the, you know the mayor does not act. Um, as the as the sole agent of the city it it always require any yes. any legal um of any of any size always requires uh, city council's ma- majority vote and you know the the discussions have been very good and it's very important for you know the mayor and council members and public to educate themselves on some of the details you know, I, I believe that uh, both the play, I understand that both the plaintiffs and defendants' attorneys were involved in different ways in those discussions, and they're they're the ones in the best position um, to to describe you know the, the value of this of this settlement um, and the parties that have, have agreed to it, including the state and, and the states uh, agreed to a very significant um, you know amount of money. So um, we'll see, you know, ultimately what the council uh, decides. But it it seems that the recommendation of the of the attorneys, uh, meaning you know, not the city attorney, but the but the attorneys involved with the various parties would would carry a lot of weight.
4: Yeah. And there's the prospect of of continuing lawsuits and potential yeah. huge huge financial <laughs> burdens on the city, including even some people have been talking about bankruptcy if things got really bad. So I mean, I, I understand that there's probably never enough money to compensate everybody for what for some damages, but the the alternative may be equally bad.
5: Yes, I think that they should. move I, I think the mayor has a good plan there. He supports it. And- he has much more skin in the game. He has outside support from the governor's office to the president's office, etc. So uh, to get that done, what might be good for the city and bring in some uh, new rewards for the city so that we can settle the city down as uh, the new president hopes to settle down the country. But this needs to be settled here in, Flint, in Genesee County.
3: Well, it it seems like the uh, city council might be a little bit between a rock and a hard place because, on uh, and and now I sound like an economist. On one hand, the um, <laughs> the, 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 the the council members have a fiscal responsibility to look yeah. out for, um, y- you know, the best deal they can make um, mm-hmm. to protect you know the city's budget, but then. As individual council members, they also have a constituency they represent who Mm -hmm. don't feel like this final settlement is enough money. But the thing that I would, you know, inject into the conversation is what I think a lot of people don't realize is regardless of where the money comes from, whether it comes from the federal government, whether it comes from Lansing, whether it comes from the city um it's all our money yeah
2: true yeah yes. well there, yeah. there are also though there are also private companies that are are being subjected to lawsuits and and not all of them have agreed to settlement terms so i i also think that you know the people of flint and and the city council and the mayor um you know there there are you know, Opportunities and and there's a need for those additional private parties um, to to also be held accountable um, either through settlement or or ultimately through through a trial mechanism.
3: Can do you think they can uh, um, that lawsuits can continue to compel those people to come forward even after. Uh, maybe this settlement is passed and and
2: uh... yes, yes. Each party, each each party to the lawsuit, you know, has has a its its own responsibility, and and I think what the attorneys have been, um, you know, and I haven't listened to all the details, so I guess I shouldn't speak for them. But the the importance of the city of Flint as a municipal corporate settling is then its portion. Um, is no longer, you know, in front of the court, but other claims from parties that have not settled, uh, like, like Veolia, for instance, would certainly continue. Those are not those don't go away when the state of Michigan and city of Flint and um, I think Roe Engineering has agreed to to an amount or at least, you know, proposed an amount that the judge would have to certify. But other parties would still be subject to to future claims
5: but we're interested only in the city of flint you know right. uh, they need to uh, the people hold the city of flint responsible for uh the outcome of this lawsuit and uh, that's
3: that's the one that we need to focus on. I, I think Rose yeah, I still- settlement offer is included in this $641 million settlement that's uh, hey, I
4: saw them yeah. been
3: approved yeah. by a judge. Only $20 million, 600 came from Lansing, $600 million um, was their offer to settle any lawsuits against the state, any and all lawsuits against the state and and the city's portion to protect it is 20 million that's being put up by the city's insurance company Mm -hmm. um and and so there there really is a case to be made to to get this done to stop the litigation i don't think it will absolve all responsibility
4: and i i still see ads on tv for 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 law firms Looking for clients for a class action suits uh, on the water issue too, whether that's with regard to the current settlement or some future lawsuits, I don't know. But they're still running ads to that effect.
3: Well, I think those will. I, I, I think those will stop in the very near future.
4: Yeah, I have a hunch you're right. <laughs> that's uh, assuming they're part of, the, of this overall agreement. That's true. It's
3: interesting
5: yeah. that some of these um, attorneys are from New York. Uh, i was watching the same thing that you are because <laughs> this is a uh a, a this is a place where uh people have opportunity to uh awesome. uh to um, manage their income level by coming to Florida. I mean, and joining a yeah.
3: Yes. Well, they th- they right. think they've got that there there may be some easy money there but Yeah, that's what they think. We'll see. Uh, Grand Blank Township's newly elected board of trustees voted Thursday to rehire Dennis Lamato. We talked about this, I think, last week or the week before. As uh, township superintendent, the move comes six months after a former board fired Lamada without cause. The motion to extend a proposed superintendent employment agreement passed unanimously after the board came out of executive session Thursday. The agreement was contingent on Lamata's signature and agreement to settle a lawsuit which alleged he is owed $750,000, claiming his termination violated the Whistleblower Protection Act. After the vote, Superintendent Scott Bennett said the uh, vote means the uh, board can put this chapter behind us. Lamada was back as a Grand Blanc Township superintendent, effective Monday, December 14th, Bennett said. Lamata addressed the board after the vote, thanking them for their support and belief in him. And we talked about the fact that, that his firing may have been the reason why there's a newly elected board of trustees in Grand Blanc. Has this position become more political than it's ever been in the past?
4: I've often thought that sometimes the nastiest politics is local politics. The more local, them, the nastier it gets sometimes. Uh, again, I don't know the internal dynamics of the, the grand blank uh, situation there, but uh, there's no doubt that, that, that those, those local issues can get pretty nasty.
5: But grand Blanc has always been a stable uh,
4: municipality.
5: Yeah. Uh, and it, it, everything it touches operates well. And if you can look at the school district and you can look at the, its
3: community, how well, it this works is, together, too. Well, the, number one, this is Grand Blanc Township. Um, maybe not a lot of difference there in terms of the personalities, but some. Um, but this is, this is an interesting one. A board fires Dennis Lamata. Then a new board is elected, and they mm-hmm. hire him back.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I suspect there's a backstory there that, at least that I haven't heard. Maybe
2: there's <laughs> simply some personality differences going on there. That's, that, that's, that's what through. I'm wondering. No, it, I, yeah,
1: I mean the township
2: is growing, and I think the issues on their hands are getting more complicated. But I, I think there's when when someone gets fired at that level of a position, there's there's certainly some things taking place that we're not aware of. Um,
3: Moving on, Michigan's electors formally cast their votes for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris Monday, completing a key milestone in the process of Biden becoming the 46th U.S. President. States across the country held similar ceremonies as the Electoral College met to sign documents that reflected certified results of the November presidential election. All of Michigan's 16 electors, one for each of the state's congressional districts, and two U.S. Senate seats are bound by law to support the winner of the popular vote. Did, um, and, and Paul, you kind of made reference to this. I was going to ask if any of the other states had to close their capitals due to threats of violence.
4: I'm just aware of two, like I say, Arizona went to what, what they call an undisclosed location, and of course Michigan, and those are the only two I'm aware of. Uh, and I, if anybody else has heard of more, let me know, but I, those are the only ones that I've heard about in terms of this situation. You know, one, one question I had, has this ever happened before? Have we ever had a situation where we had to either close a capital or move the electors to some undisclosed location just to cast their electoral votes? I, I'm certainly not aware of, of historically, of any other past situation that, that, uh, those kind of issues
3: and Part And hell. you know i'm I'm a little embarrassed to admit this, but I didn't realize that all of the states, when uh, the electoral college met, it met state by state in their own state capitals. i for some reason, I thought everyone went somewhere washington yeah. d c or Philadelphia or someplace oh, yeah, yeah. and and all met. To cast their votes, but uh, but it, uh, that was that was a learning experience for me. I should have known that, I suppose, but I didn't.
4: Yeah, I, I, but the, you're not the votes came in during the day because the times. I guess some, some states met in the morning because there were a couple of some, some electoral votes cast before noon. Then many of them met in the afternoon. Then I saw the Hawaiian votes finally came in later in the evening to finally finish out the uh, the, 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 the the tally. Uh, so it met various times during the day as well.
5: I, I, Tom, you're you're, you're ahead, right Henry. about you're right about uh, someone had to go someplace. Well, in 1789, that's what they did. They went to Philadelphia to cast the votes.
3: Well, I was thinking more recently than that, but yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you were not all wrong. But, <laughs> but for some reason, maybe maybe that uh, you know that original. Stuck in well,
4: you know, the, the, the way the Electoral College was supposed to work, it really has almost never worked the way it was supposed to. The idea was when you, would, when you would go vote, you wouldn't go and vote for president for George Washington or John Adams or anybody else. You would go vote for Bobby Clayton Walton or, or Henry Hatter on the assumption that they would then carry, it would be, they would be honorable people and carry your wishes forward. So, in fact, in many states in the past, they used to actually list the names of the electors on the ballot. Uh, but so the real idea was that the, the 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 voters would vote for the electors, and then the electors, in a very real sense, would use their judgment in picking the president.
3: How were the and electors selected this year?
4: Well, well, uh, they were chosen by the parties. The, by, each party by the county convention. Yeah, by each party county? convention chose their yeah. electors for by district. And in fact, Bobby Clayton Walton was one from the fifth district here, and there was one for each of the other fourteen districts, and then two at large here in Michigan in a similar pattern around the nation,
5: and the Republicans also uh, had electors yeah, yeah. in the same number and order. Keep
4: in fact, know. was there was there an attempt by the I, I saw a story was there an attempt by the Republican electors to show up at the Capitol on on Monday? Yes, I heard that. Away?
5: That was kind of I, dumb, I, I, but I. Uh, I <laughs> you know, you, you I don't, I don't know how much a, yeah. they were all
4: there or what the story, what the full story was. But, but, but the police turned bit. them around.
5: The police said, yeah, hey, yeah, you can't come that. here. There's a system out there, guys, and it works.
4: Yes, yeah, true. That's true. Well, let's see. So strange system. It really get. is. A, I, think the, I think the only other country that uses an electoral t- college system might be Brazil. Uh Maybe Dane can check with Carrie about that. She might know better than I do, but I think there's one other country that has a a vaguely similar system, and I think it's Brazil, where they have this electoral college process.
5: Well, you know, in in 1787, uh, people did not trust sending a ballot, uh, casting ballots uh, when you had to travel from one destination to the other. So they sent representatives called electors uh, to—go <clears throat> ahead.
4: And as I say, the idea was the electors would use their own judgment in picking the president. You know, you, you would you would vote for—as I say, you'd vote for for Henry Hatter or you'd vote for Bobby Walton uh, on the assumption that they were sensible people and they would go pick a good president. But the, that was the real, real idea. But once you got political parties by about 1800 or thereabouts— the Electoral College became a fairly automatic way to reflect the the public vote, what public vote there was. In
5: 1789, there was all of the electors voted for George Washington except one. And that one person, after seeing what the vote total was, he changed his vote and made a unanimous vote for George Washington.
3: And I don't remember
4: his name. That's right. That's right.
3: Was he the original faithless elector? (laughs)
4: <laughs> yeah. by the way speaking of that I th- one thing i saw this year is that this year there were apparently there were no faithless electors in most years not all but a good many a good majority of the years there's at least one or two electors who for whatever reason <laughs> will cast a protest vote for somebody else they rarely changed elections but but apparently there were none of those this year
3: Nope. yeah there was um four years ago there was uh, a faithless elector from Hawaii who faced all kinds of problems after the fact. Oh, yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, I think there, there was one, one yeah. Hillary elector in either Oregon or the state of Washington who voted for, for Biden, uh, and then who voted for, for Bernie, rather, uh, as a protest. But again, Hillary had already lost, so it didn't change the election. Uh, usually, the faithless electors are the ones who are part of a losing cam- losing campaign, and they're unhappy with the person who lost. So, to make their objections heard, they'll vote for for somebody else as a minor protest.
3: The um, strategies uh, always fascinate me, and and unfortunately, I don't have time to unpack this right now because we're going to break here in about. 45 seconds. But uh, we will be back with more armchair politics with our roundtable regulars, Paul rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by former Flint Mayor Dane Walling. And uh, in the meantime, if you're listening to us on WFOV 92.1 FM, Our Voices Radio in Flint, they are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House. Spectacle Productions, and my good friend Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in edgewise or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. And uh, then we will return with more Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner Program. Don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll be right back.
0: We want to say hello, we want to see you smile We'd like to sing some good old Christmas songs With songs about old Santa, and his reindeer sleigh And gee, I just can't wait until it's Christmas Day We're gonna set you wise, we love to harmonize And if we had our way, we'd never stop We'll say hello, we'll see you And we'll sing some good old Christmas songs We'll say hello We'll see you smile And we'll sing some good old Christmas songs
1: And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit CDC.gov. Hi, this is Tom Bodet from Manger 6. We
2: know you've been traveling a lot this holiday season, and you've probably been told there's no room at the end. Well, that's just not the case here at Manger 6. Why, for just 29 drachma, we'll put you up in a warm, comfortable stable with plenty of fresh milk for the newborn. There's even individual stalls for your mules, camels, or whatever you happen to be driving across a desert. And in case unexpected visitors decide to drop in on you, shepherds, wise men, holy ghosts, it's not a problem at Manger 6. There's plenty of frankincense and myrrh to go around. This is Tom Bodette from Manger 6 reminding you there's always room at this inn. We'll even leave a star out for you.
1: Program.
3: Hey, welcome back, everybody. Armchair Politics continues now on the Tom Sumner Program. A moratorium on water shutoffs in Michigan to assist people who can't afford their water bills during the COVID-19 pandemic would be in effect until March 31st of next year under legislation passed through the state senate thursday sponsored by state senator stephanie chang a democrat from detroit senate bill 241 would put in place a water shutoff moratorium until march 31st 2021 and require (coughs) public water suppliers to make their best efforts to determine what households don't have water service if a water provider determines water has been shut off For another reason, besides non-payment, the supplier would be required to work to remedy those conditions and restore water service as soon as possible under the Senate bill. Chang's legislation cleared the Senate 30 to 8 Thursday. The bill would codify... uh, An executive emergency order stopping water shutoffs initially issued by Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Whitmer required public water utilities to restore service this spring to occupied homes. The Michigan Department of Health and Human Services (coughs) later extended that requirement through the end of this year. Whitmer's initial moratorium was among the orders nullified by an October state Supreme Court decision that determined Whitmer didn't have the appropriate authority to continue issuing emergency orders without legislative approval will the state house pass this legislation
2: yeah, i think they will i it's the right thing it's the right thing to do and you know we we clearly know that these pandemic conditions are going to persist or you know probably Six to nine months into 2021, so we can't we can't pretend that the worst is behind us. I think the the issue is uh, that that bill does not include any money to any local water utilities, so it's it's telling them they can't you know uh, use shutoffs as part of a collection process, which I agree with, but it does put a burden on those local water utilities, and they may need access to uh, even a, like a low interest loan to make sure that they can stay afloat and continue to provide safe and clean water. It doesn't look like the federal government's going to do anything for local governments or for water utilities. And if the state's not doing anything either, then that, that may be kind of sweeping a problem under, under the rug instead of dealing with it in an honest fashion.
4: Yeah, good point. I mean, it's, it's, it's good to say that you you, you got the moratorium, but as I say, if, if the locals are left in trouble, that's going to have all kinds of ramifications beyond that. So let's hope there is some kind of other
5: guarantee if, if for local
4: governments.
5: If the state <clears throat> fails to do something and they shut the water off, uh, then uh, I believe that if people get sick, they are going to have grounds to sue the state for the lack of uh, accountability to providing uh, safe and equal resources uh, during the pandemic.
2: Yeah, I agree. The state needs the state needs to do needs to do it. People need to have access to to water, uh, and it's really not just during the pandemic. I mean, this needs to be taken on so that so that every household has you know clean water at the tap.
5: But this is an emergency. I'm talking about just emergency.
2: Now, uh, we, we saw
5: where when we had the managers in cities and they, they avoided taking that kind of action, they caused a tremendous lawsuit. And in this case, I can just see minds now thinking about how to use this opportunity to make sure they bring uh, safe water into the into homes uh, of people who cannot afford to pay.
4: Yeah. The, the, the only concern is you want to make sure this doesn't become a green light for people not to pay their water bill at all.
5: That's the, the problem.
4: The means. That's you the know. problem.
5: But, you, know. but uh, they don't, you don't take that into account. You've got to uh, kind of yeah. broadcast it across the, the spectrum for everybody. And that's where the problem is. There are people who are capable of paying their water bills, but who would not pay as long as other people are getting it for nothing.
4: Mm -hmm. That's a concern.
3: Well, the massive unemployment caused by the coronavirus pandemic is almost certainly going to delay a planned minimum wage increase next year. The increase, which was expected to take effect January 1st, would have increased minimum wage from 965 per hour to 987 per hour. However, according to the 2018 Improved Workforce Opportunity Wage Act, if the average statewide unemployment rate is higher than 8.5% for the year preceding a planned minimum wage hike, it's postponed until at least the following year. Do you think the wage hike is uh, going to be delayed?
4: I'm not so sure. If I, I mean, what it strikes me is, is a good number of companies on their own, especially for recent workers, have moved to increase their own. I mean, I think I, I'm thinking of the the WalMarts of the world. And some of those, Target, I believe, haven't they moved to increase the wages of, some of their own employees at their own option?
5: Um, yeah, so has McDonald. McDonald. Okay. is another.
4: Uh, yeah. I mean, but maybe maybe that's true just for major corporations. Maybe the smaller businesses haven't been able to do that. I don't know. Uh, there may be some greater pressure there considering the situation.
5: But this whole process needs to be thought through really well so that it won't end up with glitches and that cause multiple losses and inequities. We need to think this through. And whether we got the money to sustain this kind of Uh, uh, to uh, support this wage increase?
4: Well, I mean, I think the the numbers show that the minimum wage has not kept up with inflation at all over the last 20 or 30 years. If you you take the the minimum wage of 30 years ago and adjust for inflation, it would be notably higher than it is. So it hasn't kept up um, from what it was decades ago.
3: Well, yeah. here's here's one I want to try and squeeze in before the uh, top of the hour where we break for I.D. House Republican leaders went too far when they removed State Representative Cynthia Johnson, Democrat from Detroit, from her legislative committees on Wednesday because of comments she made on a controversial Facebook video. Governor Gretchen Whitmer said Thursday. Whitmer said she was she has asked House Speaker Lee Chatfield... Uh, Republican from Levering and uh, Speaker-Elect Jason Wentworth, a Republican from Clare, to reconsider their decision to pull Johnson from her committee. Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson is planning the most comprehensive post-election audits of any election in state history amid ongoing allegations, many of them initiated and amplified by President Donald Trump, that the integrity of results in Michigan and around the nation are in question. I am a long-standing proponent of of post-election audits to review election procedure and affirm public confidence in our elections, Benson said in a news release. By conducting the most comprehensive set of audits in our state's history, the Bureau of Elections and Michigan's more than 1,600 local election clerks are demonstrating the integrity of our election. I don't know how that got tagged on to the other story, but... I don't need that. Getting back to Representative Cynthia Johnson, should she have been admonished for her comments on Facebook, uh, much as uh, Eason was?
5: Just think about how much, how much danger she puts every other Black American in Michigan at risk
3: in other communities.
5: I mean, is here's quite this is, she this is interesting.
3: Out. The Republicans removed one of their own from his legislative committees for some outrageous comments he made on, uh, it, this happened to be, uh, his comments happened to be in a, uh, a, a radio or podcast interview. Um, but then uh, Representative Johnson, who's a Democrat, makes some similarly inappropriate comments, and she's removed from her committees, and the Democrats have a cow.
4: Yeah, no, I, th- I think it ought to be even-handed. The honest answer is, I think, really, if you're going to do it, make sure it applies in both directions. Yes. It's got to be balanced.
5: If you don't balance, you, you will never solve the problem. So I think it was the right thing to do.
3: Would it have been a, a, a smart move for um, Republicans to consult with uh, Democrat, uh, Democratic leaders? in the House um, before taking the action and sort of getting them on board?
5: I think that would have been kind. I think they should have. But the action, that would not uh, mitigate the problem that these comments cause for other black Americans around Michigan.
4: And and, and, and as I think about it, maybe some other punishment besides removal from committees, maybe a, a censure of some rebuke or censure of some sort might be, as appropriate, because uh, if it takes somebody off a committee, you really do limit their ability to, to do the job in many ways. So maybe some other uh, punishment would be more appropriate. But, but again, I think if there's action taken, it ought to be done in an even-handed way.
5: Yeah, but the committee uh, a committee chair can't go out and urge actions of violence against the population.
4: Yeah, you know, yeah.
5: I, that that's, that's uh, there's no debate there.
4: I guess what I'm saying, I, I would hate to see a, a representative of either party have their whole their whole term modified or limited because of one hot-headed comment they said in a radio interview or a Facebook post or something. Well, we got a break here, but, but, but I, we'll be back with the second half yeah. of
3: Armchair Politics right after Hi, this. I'm
4: Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.